With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. The opinions of hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinion of this network. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk only on Paranormal Experience Radio. Broadcasting live, live, live out of Birmingham, Alabama. This is Ghost Talk with 187 PI. Sit back and prepare yourselves for an adventure into the paranormal world with host Shelly Robertson and 187 PI Research. Ghost Talk is broadcasting live at Ohio's most haunted jail. Learn about their ongoing research at the jail and abroad, investigation techniques, and their personal encounters. Here is your host of Ghost Talk and 187 PI founder, Shelly Robertson. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Talk Radio with me as your host, Shelly Robertson. Tonight, I've got a pretty interesting show planned for you. I will be discussing haunted islands. I'd like to invite all my listening friends out there to join me in chat at wbhm-db.com, where you can join in on the conversation or ask me any questions you might have. So let's just let's just dive right in, you know. When most people think of an island, the image that comes to many people's mind, including mine, is, you know, sandy beaches, beautiful scenic views, clear waters, palm trees, and of course we can't forget loads of tourists. Most of us dream of just laying on the sunny beach, listening to the waves, hearing the chatter of people, you know, a drink, an umbrella drink in your hand, right? That is literally a dream vacation for most people. I know it is for me. And we also have to realize there's a harsh reality that not all islands are a dream vacation spot. And some are even best to stay off completely. In fact, there's a few islands that it is forbidden to, and it's even illegal to step foot on due to their dreary and dreadful pasts. They're wrapped in horror stories of times past ranging from murders to maths deaths caused by disease. They are islands that uh, most want to forget that even exist. But their dreaded histories are etched into the memories and legends that get passed down throughout the generations. These, among others, are the islands I will be discussing in this show. So prepare yourself for a journey of ghostly proportions as I take you around the world to visit the most haunted islands in existence. 
And the first stop on our travels will be right here within the United States. And that's in Key West, Florida. Key West is a huge tourist attraction with beautiful weather, clear waters, and absolutely stunning views. But what most people don't realize is that many areas within it are just bathed in paranormal legends and activity. For example, let's go to the East Martello Fort, which was built on the island in 1862 to protect it from a Confederate assault by sea. While Key West remained a Union-controlled island during the Civil War, the majority of Key West citizens supported the Confederacy. With such a rift, it is perhaps surprising that no battles took place on or around the island. Having no use for the fort, you know, once the uh, war was drawing to a close, Fort East Martello was abandoned in its unfinished state by the Army. In 1950, the um, Key West Art and Historical Society Of course, with its own army of volunteers, they cleared away years of debris and dust to open Fort East Martello as its first museum. With continued community support, the society restored the national landmark in accordance with its original 1860 design. Today, visitors can explore the preserved battlements collection of relics from the Civil War, um, learn about wrecking and cigar manufacturing industries, which uh, actually shaped the Florida Keys. They can view imaginative metal sculptures of Stanley Papio, as well as meet the ghosts of East Martello, including, you guessed it, folks, the infamous Robert the Doll. And, you know, today... Of course, the fort is home to East Martello Museum, and you can experience your very own personal paranormal encounters there. Robert the Doll resides within this museum. And for those of you out there, a lot of people know who he is, but for those of you out there who are unfamiliar um, to who Robert is, He is a -a one-of-a-kind, handmade doll that was made by the Steiff Company of Germany around the turning of the century, right? This doll is about 40 inches tall and stuffed with wood wool, and it's dressed in a sailor suit. And they say the unusual size indicates he may have been fashioned in the image of his constant companion, a boy named Robert Eugene Otto. The doll took Robert as his name while the boy simply went by Gene, and together they would go on to make history. Gene and Robert were best friends growing up, and the legend speculates voodoo played a part in Robert's formative years. While interviews with those close to the Otto family indicate a great deal of emotional energy was placed upon the doll during Eugene's lifetime, it is said that the young Gene would shift blame when he misbehaved as a child, 
pointing to the doll and saying, I didn't do it, he did it. You know how kids are. And um, so as time passed, Gene went on to become a prominent artist. He designed the gallery at Fort East Martello Museum and had had plans to make his own home a museum complete with a wax imprint of the artist's hands as a focal point. Though his dream was never realized and come to pass, his home became known as the artist's house, and stories of the doll's strange behavior became commonplace with those who encountered him after Gene's death in 1974. And it was during this time that tenants heard footsteps in the attic room above them. A plumber heard giggling, and um, I guess when he turned around, he found the doll had moved across the room on his own. Now, this this gal named Myrtle Reuter, she purchased the auto home in 1974. And she became Robert's companion and kept him when she moved to Von Feister, Street, which was six years later. In 1994, she donated Robert to the Fort East Martello Museum, claiming that he moved around her house on his own and he was haunted. Myrtle died a few months later, but Robert remained active. Okay. Museum staff, they noticed a shift of energies at the Fort East Martello Museum, though Robert was not initially on display. He was he was there, but they hadn't displayed him yet. <coughs> he started receiving visitors as word spread about th- that he was there. So once he was put on exhibit, cameras and electronic devices malfunctioned in his presence. And according to legend, the doll has supernatural abilities that, that allow it to move change its facial expressions, and make giggling sounds. Other stories claim that the doll moved voodoo figurines around the room and that the doll is actually aware of what goes on around him. Still, other legends claim that the young Otto triggered the doll's supernatural powers by blaming his childhood mishaps on the doll, and that's something that I mentioned. And according to the local folklore, the doll has caused car accidents, broken bones, job losses, divorces, and a whole ton of other misfortunes. And um, museum visitors supposedly experienced post-visit misfortunes, right, from Robert for failing to respect Robert and, you know, the museum gets... Lots of letters, even to this day, addressed to the doll offering apologies for disrespectful behavior and asking Robert the doll for forgiveness. So, and they still get letters today, you know. There's been ghost hunters and TV shows and psychics and skeptics and believers and uh, of all kinds. They visit... Robert on a regular basis to witness firsthand the strange stories that they've heard and also to see if they are true. And there's just so much documented stuff 
regarding this doll. So I think there's probably something something up with it. <laughs> and, you know, if visiting a creepy doll really isn't your thing, while you're in Key West, you can stop by the Audubon House instead. In October in 1846, a powerful hurricane bore down on Key West, and it damaged and destroyed near, nearly all the homes in the city. In the aftermath of this devastating storm, Captain John Hewling Geiger, he was a harbor pilot and he was a master wrecker, he began construction on this grand home that would serve as his family residence. All right. Today, that home is known as the Audubon House, and the construction of the Audubon House occurred between the years of 1846 and 1849. At the time, Captain Geiger was one of Key West's wealthiest men, and he wanted a home befitting of his family statue in the community, right? He wanted something to show off his wealth. And that's when he got started building this house in a prominent location. Uh, the house was built on the corner of Whiteland and Green Street, so it could be admired by all the coming and going from the waterfront, right? Now, four generations of the Geiger family, they um, lived in this home. And that's been over 110 years. Now, the last of Captain Geiger's descendants to call the house his home was his great-grandson, Captain William Bradford Smith. Captain Smith was a recluse who lived alone in the house for over 20 years without, folks, electricity, running water, or an indoor kitchen. And at the time of his death in 1956, the home had fallen into disrepair and the windows were shuttered and nailed closed. So... 1958, the house was slated for demolition to make way for a gas station when this um, fella, Mitchell Wolfson, and his wife, Frances, stepped in to save it. Their purchase and subsequent renovation of Audubon House has sparked the restoration movement in Key West that is evident today in the city's historic Old Town District. Now, after a two-year restoration during which time they added electricity to the home, the Audubon House Museum opened in 1960. The museum commemorates um, Audubon's 1832 visit to Key West and shares his artwork within the Geiger home. Now, the home is furnished with antiques dating to the first half of the 19th century, including several items originally belonging to the Geiger family, and those can be found on the third floor and in the parlor. There's a painting of Captain Geiger there. There is um, a serving table in the dining room, and those items belong to the family. Now, the Wolfson family, they continue to care for the project, the property, and, and keep the restoration projects up through the Mitchell Wolfson Family Foundation, and it's a nonprofit educational organization. Now, what's interesting about this place is 
While strolling through the museum, you might come across John's daughter, Hannah. She has been the focus of most of the paranormal activity that takes place there. There's a portrait that John painted of her, and it seems to emanate sadness, and so much so that visitors are emotionally affected when viewing it. It becomes so bad and so frequent that the staff moved the portrait to a, um, a more secluded area. But even there, there's still been reports of hearing disembodied voices and children laughing and talking coming from the vicinity of the portrait. And Hannah isn't the only spirit that resides within this museum. The ghost of Captain Geiger, you know, has also been spotted himself. He's been seen standing on the balcony and even walking through the gardens on the grounds of the museum. Not only that place, but... Key West has even more paranormal oddities. If you travel over to the uh, Marrero's Guest Mansion, which was built in 1889 by Francisco Marrero, he was a prominent cigar maker, and this fella fell in love with this girl named Enriquita. And he built the mansion with the intention of luring her to the island. And he was you know, successful because she went there, they got married, and were enjoying life on the island. The only problem with this was that Francisco was already married in his home country of Cuba. Now, after Francisco died, his first wife found out about the marriage and the estate in Key West, Florida. And, of course, as you can imagine, she came to the island with lawyers in tow, and Enriquita was banished from the mansion along with their two children. Now, before they were kicked out of the home, she vowed she would always be there in spirit, and it is said she kept her word. Guests report seeing her ghostly figure in places throughout the mansion, and it appears her children's spirits may still reside there as well, since ghosts have also reported hearing the sounds of babies crying and children laughing. So this last stop in Key West, before we move from there, would be the Fort Zachary Taylor, okay? And construction of the fort began in 1845 as a part of a mid-19th century plan to defend the southeast coast through a series of forts after the World or after the War of um, 1812. Okay, Thompson Island, at the southwest tip of Key West, was selected as the site for the fort in 1822, and plans for the fort, drawn up by Simon Bernard, were approved in 1836. Two supporting batteries, Martello Towers, provided additional coverage one of which exists today as the Martello Gallery, Key West Art and Historical Museum. Now, the fort was named for United States President Zachary Taylor in November 1850, and that was just a few months after President Taylor's sudden death in office. The fort's foundation consists of limestone and New England granite. 
All right. Now, in 1947, the fort, no longer of use to the U.S. Army, was turned over to the U.S. Navy for maintenance. In 1968, volunteers led by Howard England excavated Civil War guns and ammunition buried in long-abandoned parts of the fort, which was soon discovered to house the nation's largest collection of Civil War cannons. Amazing, right? Fort Taylor was therefore placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1971 and was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1973. And even though this fort has seen no actual bloodshed, thousands perished here due to yellow fever, diphtheria, and a few other horrific deadly diseases. Many say they can hear sounds of those who suffered from the diseases. Moans, coughing, and mumblings can be heard. Other sightings include seeing soldiers lined up in formation, hearing the sounds of gunfires and whistles, along with feelings of cold spots that are most prominent within the downstairs section of the fort. And with that, friends, we'll be back after this short message. You are listening to Ghost Talk Radio on WBHM-DB. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, come on. I'm Southern, but... Um, nope. That'll do. Hello. I am Kat Hobson, host of Paranormal Experience here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. I enjoy having guests from all areas of the paranormal, from ghosts to ufology to cryptids and beyond. You'll find some of the best researchers in their fields bringing you some great information. Join me on Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 p. Eastern here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. You are listening to WPHM Digital Broadcasting. The best in paranormal talk radio. Listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experienced Radio, broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama. Since 1948, Fate Magazine has brought you reports of the strange and unknown, all of them true. Fate Radio is carrying on that tradition, bringing you the unusual, macabre, strange, and bizarre. Join host Cat Hopson Sunday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. 
You're listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experience Radio, broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama. The time is 23 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Ghost Talk Radio with me as your host, Shelly Robertson. And tonight, I am talking about haunted islands. So if you missed the first part of the show, no worries. You can catch the full show archive on Spreaker, Google Play, iTunes, and iHeartRadio, a few others. Wherever you're at, we're probably there too. You can catch the full archive at your leisure. And uh, we're going to move on and we're going to travel across seas to Bermuda. And you know, there's all kinds of Some people automatically think of the Bermuda Triangle, right? Well, let's talk about Bermuda. And it's a 21-square-mile island that houses more than just beauty. And our first stop here would be the 200-plus-year-old Devonshire Parish, which sits amidst 15 acres of woodlands, gardens, and citrus orchards and is known as one of the most haunted houses on the island. Locals say that not a single night goes by that some sort of paranormal activity doesn't take place there, right? Unexplained bumps and door slams and eerie visions are all common occurrences. One of these visions is of the ghost of a gal named Laura Cox, who was a former resident who died in 1861. She was an avid gardener, and her ghostly apparition has been seen pointing at the spot where her once uh, beloved flower garden used to be. So that's interesting. Next, and we're still on the Bermuda Island. Next, we're going to go to Fort St. Catherine, which was constructed in 1614 and is the largest fort on Bermuda. This fort holds a very prominent spirit known simply as George, He's been seen frequently by guests and even been heard talking down within the lower chambers. He actually became such a nuisance that workers became fed up and they tried to perform an exorcism in the 1970s in an attempt to remove him from the building, right? But considering the fact that visitors still report seeing his apparition and they still hear voices and movement of objects still occur... It appears it didn't work, and George is still very much the dominant and annoying presence within that building. (laughs) Lastly, in Bermuda, we're going to take you to the beach, and we do love the beach, right? Simply known as the spirit of the beach, the ghost of a fellow named Hugh Gray is said to roam around here amidst the pink sand coastline that resides near the western edge of the island. It's said that in the 1920s, Hugh met a grisly death when he was discovered dead at the foot of his staircase within his cottage. His spirit has roamed his favorite spot in life, the beautiful pink sandy beach, ever since. He's been witnessed and reported by both locals and visitors alike. So he's still roaming around. Next, we're going to go on over to Hawaii. Lots of people love Hawaii, right? The Hawaiian Islands 
they have a unique history that is full of like you know royalty, warriors, and culture. And with all of that, also comes a very unique paranormal experiences as well, right? Um, there's this highway. It's H1 Highway, and it's located on the island of Oahu, and it's the first area that we'll be discussing on our paranormal journey here. It's believed that the building of Hawaii's busiest highway disturbed the spirits of warriors from their sleep. Bones have been excavated during the building process, and since there's been numerous frightening apparitions have been seen by many people working on the highway. Aside from the apparitions, the cries and voices of these warriors can also be heard inside the tunnels. Highway 1 has been described by many as one of the scariest places, not only in the islands of Hawaii, but in the entire United States. It's believed that the Hawaii um, highway there, it took so long to finish, it took almost seven years to get that highway done because the workers were very frightened of the apparitions they saw and most of them refused to go back to work and they quit on the very day they were hired. So if you can imagine that, <coughs> Highway 1, it cuts through the Kulau Mountains and this is a place where many ancient warriors were said to have met their death when the land was disturbed to give way to the highway. The spirits were disturbed from their rest, and that's why many people think that highway is so very haunted. And next we're going to go to the 16th Avenue Kamuki Bridge in Honolulu County, and it's also known for its ghostly encounters. However, this one is of a young girl. It's said that the girl was killed in a hit and run on this bridge in an accident, right? Witness claimed to see her apparition and she asked them for help to get home. However, she never makes it past the end of the bridge before she vanishes from your vehicle. So you'll go to give her a ride and whatnot, and then she disappears. This next place is the Waikiki Prince Hotel in Oahu, and that also has its own set of odd occurrences. Many guests have reported seeing strange lights that move throughout the building along with hearing whispering voices. Worst of all, it appears to be a common occurrence for the guest's luggage to get moved. So if you're planning a visit, be prepared for a temporary loss of your luggage. <laughs> if you want to try another haunted hotel stay, where maybe your luggage won't be temporarily lost, you can travel over to Waikiki Park Hotel and... um. They had a dedicated worker there who had worked for many years, and this worker had passed away. But evidently, the worker still feels the need to show up and help out and work. On more than one occasion, the time clock has recorded someone punching in with this person's ID card, even though the ID card had been canceled and considered void. The record only ever shows him punching in. And it has never showed him punching out. This next place we're going to go to is the Hamilton Library. 
and it's at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, and it's the largest research library in the state of, of Hawaii. And it's also got its fair share of ghostly stories. Students and workers, they have both claimed to have seen apparitions and heard strange noises wandering through the library's aisles and even the bathroom. One report came from a janitor who witnessed um, a young woman in a, uh, a pink dress who was floating around the first floor. <laughs> so that was probably interesting. Next, we're going to go into the last place in Hawaii is the famous haunted Kamuki House in Honolulu. And that's located on the corner of 8th and Harding on a foundation of two beds of lava rock. And this is known to many as one of the most haunted places on the island. The house itself, it looks relatively normal, but the um, story behind it is not too normal, okay? Um, there's a creature that is said to reside in the house, and they call this creature a kasha. And that's a man-eating ghost from Japanese folklore. And the story surrounding its haunting of the Kamuki house has been extensively documented, okay? Many families and couples have lived in or vacationed at the Kamuki house throughout the years. And they leave, you know, prematurely uh, due to terrifying and dangerous occurrences. And um, there's this article that was in the newspaper in 1942 where police officers were called to the house by a woman who kept repeating, she's trying to kill my children. And upon entering the house, the officers could do nothing more than watch in horror as the three children, they were levitated, slapped, and hurled across the room by an invisible force. Okay. And... You know, another incident was supposedly a young boy detected an odor of ghost in the home enraging the kasha. And it resulted in a vicious, just vicious attack against the family. And law enforcement officers were called as well. And then there was this other newspaper article that um, come out 30 years later from this incident, that a young girl was reportedly attacked by an invisible force in the house. And she immediately went to hide in her car, which was parked outside, but supposedly the spirit, you know, it followed her. And, you know, the account is detailed in a newspaper article. And Many sources discuss, you know, strangulation and, and different different other things that have happened. But, you know, that's something that these incidences were reported to police and also featured in newspapers, right? So there's got to be something to them, you know. I don't know exactly, but something, something odd is going on there, right? There's uh, several possible explanation for the paranormal encounters uh first which was um about a child being killed there at that house the case was actually that of a father who killed his 
two children and his wife in the house. And the wife and son's bodies were buried in the backyard. But the corpse of the daughter was never found. And there's a second story that floats around about the Kamuki house, uh, talking about why it's so haunted, was that um, there was this lesbian couple, and one of the woman, uh, women, they became involved with a man. And once the fella discovered his girlfriend's secret, the man killed her, her wife, and his self within the Kamuki house. And so there's a couple of different instances where I was trying to explain the hauntings there. Now, the original Kamuki house was torn down during the summer of 2016, and it's currently uh, under construction, and uh, a new property is being built there. So it will be interesting to find out if the hauntings at, at the new construction site will will continue on. <clears throat> Next, we're going to go to Jamaica. And that's a very popular and tourist-filled island. And Jamaica is unique in many ways. And including a story behind the hauntings at Rose Hall. Rose Hall is nestled in uh, Montego Bay, and it was completed in the 1770s and later restored in the 1960s. And Rose Hall is known for housing some of the most beautiful scenic views overlooking the Caribbean, right? The history behind Rose Hall paints a much darker and sinister view. It was once a 650-acre sugarcane field That included over 250 slaves that were forced to work the fields. All right. There was this gal, Anne Hall, moved to Jamaica when she was only 17. And she met and married the owner of Rose Hall. And he was John Palmer. Anne is said to have been born in Haiti and was a voodoo practitioner. Their marriage was short-lived. She murdered him and inherited Rose Hall for herself. She went on to marry, not once, but two more times, only to murder both of those husbands as well. And if murdering three husbands wasn't enough, folks, she was also known as an extremely cruel plantation owner who severely tortured her slaves. She was even known to have become bored with her husbands, forcing relations with some of the slaves themselves, right? She she was just a tyrant. And by 1821, her slave lover became tired of her horrific ways and he snuck into the mansion one night and he strangled her to death. The next morning, some of the other slaves burned her clothes and other personal belongings and they buried her body a short distance from the mansion. With her horrific life and death, it's no wonder why they say she still resides in Rome's Rose Hall. Her apparition has been seen both within the mansion and on the once sugarcane fields. Photos have even been captured by guests of her wandering the mansion halls. An interesting fact is that Johnny Cash wrote a song in 1973 called The Ballad the Ballad of um, Annie Palmer, which describes the ruthless slave owner and murdering mistress of Rose Hall. 
So that is very, very interesting, right? Next, we're going to go to Santa Catalina Island. And this island is located 20 miles off the coast of Los Angeles and is said to have an energy portal that draws spirits here. The ghosts of murdered Indians, smugglers, and gold miners have all been seen or heard on this island. Some of the Indians have been witnessed materializing in the hills behind the town of Avalon. They've been seen standing quietly, shoulder to shoulder, as they stare out to sea. Now the legend states that they're waiting the return of the Russians that murdered them so many years ago, still seeking out revenge of their untimely deaths. Now, here's something interesting. The ghost of William Wrigley Jr. is seen here near his house in Avalon Canyon. William made his fortune by selling chewing gum. Of course, you all know about Wrigley's gum. And he had bought nearly the whole island with that fortune. People say his entity is easy to identify as he's always chewing his gum. (laughs) Another infamous spirit said to reside on this island is that of Natalie Wood, a famous actress that played... Uh, in the movie Miracle on 34th Street and the movie West Side Story. Her death is still to this day in speculation. She either fell, dived, or was pushed off her yacht that was anchored off of uh, Catalina, where she plunged headfirst into the water, and she was killed instantly. She hit her head on something, and she was killed instantly in 1981, And her spirit's been seen strolling along the beach near where her yacht was once anchored, right? Even the waters surrounded the island have been reported to be haunted as well. Scuba divers, while exploring the underwater gardens, they've reported hearing the eerie screams of the miners who were trapped by collapsed gold mine tunnels. There are many more ghosts. I've just told you just a few of the most common ones there. Next, we're going to go to this this island called Nevis. And it's a small island in the Caribbean Sea that forms part of the inner arc of the leeward island chains of the West Indies. And it's about 35 square miles. Now, this island is a part of the region's sprawling collection of plantation ruins, which include 25 historical landmarks located on the Nevis Heritage Trail. The plantation dates all the way back to the 17th century. If you plan a visit there, though, be prepared, folks, because this island offers no tour guides, no pamphlets to help guide you through the plantation trails. You are on your own to find and explore these slowly rotting yet beautiful ruins, right? The most well-known plantation on the island is the Eden Brown Estate. This estate holds the classic tale of love, betrayal, and murder. Eden Brown had the plantation built for his daughter and soon-to-be son-in-law in 1882. Right before the wedding took place, a duel occurred between the groom and the best man. Story states the best man and soon-to-be bride were having an affair and the duel was fatal to both men, leaving the bride, almost bride, I should say, completely alone. 
It is said that she lived out the rest of her life as a recluse, being in complete solitude within the plantation her father built for her. Her restless spirit is said to continue to live within the plantation, still alone and secluded, even in death. Many people that have visited say they can sense her presence. Um, they also have reported hearing her sobs and cries of a woman echoing through what used to be the walls of the now crumbling plantation. And with that, folks, we'll be back with more Ghost Talk. After this short message, you are listening to Ghost Talk Radio on WBHM-DB. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experience Radio, broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama. Come on, I'm Southern, but... Um, nope. That'll do. Hello, I am Kat Hobson, host of Paranormal Experience here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. I enjoy having guests from all areas of the paranormal, from ghosts to ufology to cryptids and beyond. You'll find some of the best researchers in their fields bringing you some great information. Join me on Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 p. Eastern here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Since 1948, Fate Magazine has brought you reports of the strange and unknown, all of them true. Fate Radio is carrying on that tradition, bringing you the unusual, macabre, strange, and bizarre. Join host Cat Hobson Sunday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experienced Radio, broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama. Welcome back to Ghost Talk Radio with me as your host, Shelley Robertson, and tonight I am talking about. Haunted Islands, so if you first missed the first part of the show, no worries. You can catch the full show archive on Spreaker, Google Play, iTunes, and iHeartRadio at your leisure. And so this next place we're going to go to is the Isles of Skye. And that's the largest and northernmost island of Scotland, right? This island, you know, it provides... Um, some of the most dramatic mountain scenery in the entire country. The island used to house over 20,000 people, but those numbers have dropped dramatically over the years, and it now consists of only around 9,000 people. The island is usually engulfed with this dense fog and some gusty winds, which truly makes the hauntings that take place there just that much more spine-tingling, right? If there's a a, a dense fog missing around everywhere. Now, 
the first stop on this island is the Duntalum Castle. And the original uh, information about this castle is truly, it's not known, but the family that eventually called this their home was the McDonald family. Now, Clan McDonald was a resident within the castle in 1742. And with him also resided Hugh McDonald, and it is he that is known to still wander within the building. It is said that the chieftain of the time had caught wind that he was planning to assassinate him. And because of that rumor, threw him in the dungeons of the castle along with a plate of just excessively salted meat and a jug of water. Now, after many days of refusing the food and drink, Hugh finally ate the salted meat. But when he went to drink from the jug, he found it to be empty. So Hugh eventually died from starvation and thirst. And they say that you can hear his wails rising through the dungeon, revealing the agony that he felt his last days of life there. Um, There's a nursemaid who is also said to haunt this castle. And she was sentenced to death after she accidentally, now just picture this, folks, after she accidentally dropped one of the owner's babies from the castle window. The baby fell several stories to its death on rocks below, and her apparition has been witnessed around the rocks within the castle and sobs can also be heard. Next, we'll visit the A87 Road on the Isle of Skye that had housed a very terrible accident. The driver, um, he was a church minister, and he was the whole the uh, the only person who survived the accident. They say he was so grief stricken from the horrible occurrence that he completely lost his sanity. People driving this road have reported seeing a phantom car appearing and disappearing to drivers. And many people have reported being very, you know, startled and uh, uneasy with this. Lastly, we're going to take you to what is called simply the pier. This area was once owned by an author, Gavin Maxwell. Now the area features museums, a wildlife area, and a few of the cottages Maxwell originally resided in. While Maxwell owned and lived in the cottages, he had his own paranormal experiences there. In fact, his experiences intrigued him so much, he wrote the trilogy Ring of Bright Water, and those books described everything he witnessed. Now, a few things he described within his books included hearing ghostly voices muttering incoherently, footsteps walking throughout the cottage. He also witnessed uh, the doors opening and closing with no logical explanation. He even stated he personally, he, uh, he personally seen um, poltergeist activity that he described as being associated with a troubled youth he was looking after. So very, very interesting stuff there. The next place we are going to go to is Tasmania, and it's shaped like an inverted uh, pyramid, okay? Tasmania was first settled as being part of the British colony in 1803. 
The first arrivals to the island were almost all convicts and the guards that accompanied them. Now, they were sent there for the sole purpose of developing industries and agriculture on the island. However, you know, there's always a however. (laughs) Resistance from the original settlers, it led to fierce fighting, which resulted in many massacres, as you can imagine. Now, the first prison on the island, Port Arthur uh, Penal Settlement, it was opened in 1830, but it closed not long after in 1877. Now, this prison is now known as Tasmania's most haunted area. Tourists have reported seeing ghostly figures throughout the entire building. It's also said that on Monday afternoons, the old ruined church, uh, it rings with the sound of bells, and the bells no longer physically exist. So that's that's pretty amazing. The uh, National Trust registered uh, Franklin House, that place, it was built in the late 1830s by Brenton Jones. And um, four years after he had it built, he leased it to this fellow named William Keeler, who turned it into a boys' academy. Volunteers who now run the building have reported many paranormal encounters. Objects have been seen moving on their own. Noises have been heard coming from empty rooms, and shadow figures have been seen lurking throughout the building's many wings. Okay, Whispering voices have been caught on EVPs, And there's also been several accounts of people seeing a beam of light traveling up and down the main staircase, only just to vanish into thin air, right? Now, this uh, next place we're going to go to is Galveston Island. And it is a barrier island on the Texas Gulf Coast in the United States. It's about 50 miles southeast of Houston. Um... The entire island, with the exception of Jamaica Beach, is within the city limits of the city of Galveston in Galveston County. It's often described as the the cemetery with a beach attached to it due to its grim history. I guess there's a, a cemetery there. And the island itself has survived plagues and fires, war, and the largest known hurricane ever to be recorded in U.S. history, right? On September 9, 1900, the island was hit by a hurricane that became known as the deadliest hurricane in U.S. history. An estimated six to 8,000 people were killed within a single night. This was about a quarter of the island's entire population. Almost every building on the island had been leveled, and it is said that even today... Contractors are digging up bodies from this tragic event. So it's no wonder that it's said that almost every building on the island is riddled with paranormal activity of one sort or another, right? Stewart's uh, mansion is known to be one of the most haunted properties on the island. In 1821, the Battle of Three Trees took place here in which many Native Americans perished. Caretakers of the mansion have reported seeing apparitions of them roaming about the property. Sounds of cannons, muskets, screams are all commonly heard, almost like there is still a battle taking place. 
there are also reports of disembodied growls and barks that uh, accompany a smell that smells like wet dog. (laughs) So that's definitely odd. And this goes along with the legend regarding a pack of 12 dogs that belonged to a well-known pirate. It's said that he had a voodoo queen perform a ritual over them as they were born, transforming them into hellhounds with red glowing eyes. Okay, very interesting. The um, Bishop Palace is also a hot spot for activity, being built in 1893. It's one of the few original houses left standing that survived that hurricane in 1900. Locals say the original owner, Walter Gresham, is a highly protective person of his home, and he still watches over it today. He's mainly spotted during or just before severe weather strikes, pacing back and forth on his porch with a look of concern. Um, I guess even in death, he uh, is still quite concerned about his beloved home. And right now I'm going to tell you what's going on at the old Paulding Jail. What's coming up is something, some pretty exciting things. Um, We've got a few public ghost hunts up on the board right now. And you can find information about that by going to 187pi.com and clicking on events. We have a public celebrity hunt coming October 17th. Featuring Doogie from the hit shows Haunted Towns and Haunted Live and Jason Hale of The Fearless One. This is an event you won't want to miss. You can get tickets by going to our website and get all the rest of the information there. Um, We also have another exciting celebrity ghost hunting event coming up. And that is two weekends, the first two weekends in February, featuring Santiago Cirillo, who is known in the paranormal world as a paranormal magnet. And he has starred in numerous movies and shows, including The Walking Dead and the paranormal movie Rosalie, which also has won many awards. You can find out more information on these events and get tickets at 187pi.com. And you're going to want to pick these tickets up early, I'm telling you, because they are limited. You know, with this COVID stuff going around, the group has to be small. And we do have some private uh, sessions on the board, too. So if you want to bring your team and come to a private hunt, we are adding more privates every week. So just keep your eye on that and see if so you can see if there's a date that you want pops up. And now I'd like to let you know what's going on here at our fabulous network, WBHM-DB. We have some fantastic shows by some amazing hosts and interesting guests. All shows are at 8 p.m. Eastern, okay? So every night at 8, you know you got some place to be. <laughs> Sunday nights, we have Fate Mag Radio with host Kat Hobson. Monday nights, we have the Paranormal Pride Show with host Denise Pridemore. Wednesday nights, we have Paranormal Experience Show with host Kat Hobson. And Thursday nights, folks, mark your calendars. We have a new show coming on board. That's um, The show is The Full Spectrum Project with hosts 
Pete and Brian, and also featuring on their show is the Weird World News with Angie Mole. And you'll want to make sure you catch the new show. You want to be sure to tune in to all of these shows. Great, great, great to do for 8 p.m.s. Um, I do want to take a brief moment to thank everyone for listening to tonight's live broadcast. I want to wish you, you know, health and positive happenings for your life. And hopefully you have a good evening and you have a fantastic weekend. So please remember, be kind and be positive. Keep safe, everyone. Good night, friends. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, Birmingham, Alabama. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus